0: Hello and welcome to a Tuesday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rupay. He's Chris Dantiel. Chris, I got a question for you. Did Villanova win against Creighton this past weekend?
1: Uh, no, no, they did not.
0: Uh, what? What about DePaul? Did they? Did they win this past weekend? Un-
1: unfortunately, not. No.
0: All right. You know what that means, Chris. We we're, there's only one way we can take this, and we are now officially a football-centered. Podcast Until further notice, because big shout outs, big congrats, big salute to Tano Pasino and the Kansas City Chiefs for their Super Bowl win on Sunday. Epic game, epic comeback. And now we got another champion last year. It was Kyle Lowry with the NBA with the Toronto Raptors. Now this year we got Tano Passigno representing Villanova football. Nova Nation with a nice Super Bowl ring with the Kansas City Chiefs. He had a couple tackles. It was a great game. I enjoyed it. Way better than last year's news Fest.
1: Significantly, yes. <laughs>
0: Significantly better. And it's always great to see a Villanova guy repping it at the biggest stage, biggest level, but also in football because it's not every day you get to see a Villanova Super Bowl champion.
1: No, you don't. But there was uh, Howie Long there doing the game pregame for Fox and then Excellent. Uh, cap it off with another Super Bowl champion with Tano, both playing defensive end positions. The whole Kansas City front didn't really do much all game until it, when it mattered. It was on that third and fourth down. He was able to get to the quarterback. I ble- Frank Clark ended up with the sack, but Tano was right in there with them. And if you watch the replay, and I'm sure 49ers fans are still complaining about it, he kind of whipped his arm around Garoppolo's head. And that was a nice little reminder. <laughs> it wasn't intentional, but it was just like a, I don't know, a nice, nice little slap in the face. Cap. Yes, yes. Nice little slap <laughs> um to show who who really is boss there but yeah he even had a controversial another controversial play when he kind of jumped off sides on that third and long and then garoppolo ended up scrambling for a couple of yards before being pushed out of bounds and then they wanted a late hit he wasn't called for the offsides thankfully but yeah there he played well they played well kansas city played really freaking well especially at the end and once again kyle shanahan just doesn't know how to hold on to a lead in the super bowl pretty funny
0: Thought the Niners were a little too conservative. You know, you thought you saw Andy Reid and the Chiefs, they were going for it on fourth down, they were getting the big conversions, they were going for some plays. And that felt like the difference to me. Like I felt like the forty ers had a chance to just do more damage. But the play calling, I don't know, just seemed a little too a little too safe. A little too safe. Yeah. On the Super Bowl, you gotta you gotta pull out all the stops.
1: Exactly. And and Andy, like you said, Andy Reid was going for it on fourth down in the first quarter. He went for it twice in the fourth yeah, down in yeah. the first quarter. And that, and as many of our Eagle fans listeners know, he's not exactly known for that or wasn't exactly known for that. So now to see him now get the Super Bowl uh, victory that he's been uh, longing for for so very long. I don't know how Eagles fans feel about that. I'm sure they're pretty happy for him. But I know he kind of left unceremoniously from the Eagles a few years ago. But, I mean, the Eagles got their theirs in so i don't really think they care anymore but that was cool to see too i like andy reed he was a former packer coach back in like the 90s so it was cool to see to see a homegrown guy win one
0: based on my perusing and viewing of philly twitter it looked like the philly sports crowd was very happy overall universally happy for andy reed i was happy for him. he's got a little emotional at the end there good for him getting that first then getting that elusive super bowl win Mahomes and crew, they pulled through at the very end after not doing too much in the beginning, but they pulled through when it mattered most. Seems like the Chiefs really stepped it up. Overall, I thought it was a great game, very well played. Chiefs just, not the necessary big plays, they got the game-changing ones. That Once they went ahead, they didn't really give it up from there. And, of course, like we said before, Villanova football represented. tyler passanio he was in our class, he was in our grade, represented. It's always fun. To see Nova football. Because, you know, we, we appreciate all our NBA cats. But for the NFL, we always felt that Villanova football never got enough love from people. And it's always good to see when one of your big boys do it big.
1: For sure, especially when they play a vital role, especially uh, towards the, the clinching moments there. It was really cool to see. And, and honestly, I, I feel like we kind of undersold it last time. Really, we we should have made a bigger deal about it.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't really have any rooting interest. I kind of had a weird feeling about the Super Bowl this year. Obviously, I've watched it before. I'm a Giants fan. So, you know, we definitely had to watch it without our team being in it for the last couple of years. But this year, you know, usually I get hyped. Usually I get hyped for the parties, Super Bowl parties. Going into the weekend, I kind of was like, whatever, whatever. But then by the time game time rolled around, I was like, all right, this is is good. This is good. The commercials are looking good so far, too. We got Baby Nut, Planners, Mr. Peanut, Kool-Aid Man at the funeral. I was like, all right, I can, I can get with this. I can, This is good. And the, the action was awesome. A lot better than last year. Maybe it was because last year's Super Bowl was just so boring that it just kind of took away from the excitement of this year. But I thought they really bounced back. It was just overall it was great. You know, the, the game was great. Commercials were pretty solid. Halftime show was great. Can't talk about it, though, without getting fired. Might venture into the NSFW territory. But
1: overall, I thought it was just a great three hours, three and a half hours. I mean, I agree with you. It was start to finish. I didn't really have any qualms with it. Uh, There was no big referee decision in there as well. I thought the refs did a good job. They stayed out of it. I, I felt the same way like you. I didn't really care, mainly just because my team fell one game short. And I just, you know, I guess it's a little bit of bitterness, but also I don't know. It's just really tough to see that and, and knowing that your team was so close and you can't really watch them anymore. And then the game started to get good. I'm like, all right, I want to see Mahomes lead another comeback. And he did for the third straight game in the playoffs. It's pretty crazy how they were able to do that game in and game out. Yeah, that was the thing, too. Like, these were two teams
0: that I didn't necessarily hate. Like, I loved watching the 49ers defense all year. Mahomes, obviously, this guy's like a, a video game type of quarterback. To see him work his way out of a jam, that was pretty interesting. To see him come through an adversity once again. These were two very likable teams, in my opinion, between the exciting offense and then the lockdown defense. The Patriots weren't in, so that always helps Super Bowl interest. Tano was in it, so there was like a lot to get hyped for. I was glad that the the magic came back by the time I sat down for Super Bowl Sunday. Great game. Congratulations once again to Andy Reid. Congratulations once again to Tano, Passanio, Kansas City Chiefs. Hugs go out to the 49ers fans. I know Brendan Riley, he's won. R.I.P.
1: Nah, Richard Sherman lost. It's a good day.
0: I know you enjoyed that last series before the touchdown. Richard Sherman, your arch Mm -hmm. nemesis, public enemy number one for Packers fans ever since the Seahawks days. Oh, Mm -hmm. I know you enjoyed him getting cooked by Tariq Hill on that little flat route. And then on the deep route where he just
1: got burned. I know you enjoyed that. Sammy Watkins of all people. Sammy freaking Watkins. First round. I guess not a bust, but very underwhelming prospect. Uh, And he kind of found a name for himself with the Chiefs the past few years. Yeah, that was great to see. And apparently he learned that move to get by Sherman from my favorite Packer player right now, Devontae Adams. So that was pretty cool to see that. Even though the Packers weren't playing, they still helped Richard Sherman get torched. Good day. <laughs> it's a great day.
0: Uh, just good good to know that uh, even though Richard Sherman has changed uniforms, changed team colors, the hatred still remains. The hatred still remains.
1: Yeah, it, it does. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna get into it. It's it's fine. It's fine. But he's gotten better over the years, I guess. And I don't really care for you know his off-field stuff and the yelling and the crab tree thing. Like I thought that was all right. I thought that was pretty funny. Oh, I was, know you it,
0: enjoyed the Skip Bayless thing. I know you enjoyed that.
1: Yes, I did because his that's first like... take
0: appearance. That's a classic. <laughs> classic Richard Sherman. I think it was like one of his first like outspoken moments.
1: It was. I think that was. Yeah, I think that was the one that put him on the map in terms of like yes, yeah, in terms of a voice. So that was pretty funny because that's like two of my largest, biggest enemies there going at each other. But obviously I'd rather have Richard Sherman win than in that case. But uh, yeah, just uh, just glad the 49ers lost because them getting a sixth would have just been, I don't know, I, I wouldn't have enjoyed it. Seeing the Chiefs win after 50 years is a little cooler. We're seeing a lot of streaks, a lot of droughts being broken over these past few years. Yeah, and the last five years have been,
0: have been good for the underdogs. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, I, I, I kind of like that aspect of it, too.
0: So, Chris, even though we're now a football-centric podcast until further notice, mm-hmm. I know that the people came here. They wanted to talk about this game on Saturday. It was on their mind. Need a little comfort. Need a little discussion. Need someone to vent to. Need to hear some opinions. Before Super Bowl Sunday, before the celebration for Tano and Villanova football in Kansas City, the Wildcats had a home game against the Crane Blue Jays. They beat them before in Omaha. They needed a second half comeback, a little magic to come back from an early double-digit deficit. This time around, even though I didn't expect it to go down this way, at least in the beginning, it looked like Villanova was going to definitely need another rally. They're going to need to put on the rally hats once again. And it looked like, for a good amount of it, they were actually going to be— I actually thought that they were going to do it again, that they were going to be able to pull it off. Once they cut it into within three, I was, you know, you saw Colin Gillespie screaming, jumping around. You saw the, the fans were getting hyped at the Wells Fargo Center, and I was thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to do this. We're at home. We're, the momentum is starting to come our way. We're going to go ahead and seal the deal, sweep the series, beat those Blue Jays, but that's not what happened. Crane got some separation towards the end, held the Nova comeback off, and they ended up winning 76-61. to In the loss, you had Colin Gillespie and Justin Moore leading the way with 18 points apiece. Both got theirs a little differently. Gillespie shot only 8 of 18, while Moore was more efficient, shooting 6 of 9 overall and 4 of 5 from deep. And then on the Creighton side, you had four different people in double figures. Tyshawn Alexander and Marcus Zagorowski, there weren't really big factors the last time out. This time around, it looked like they were able to get free, at least in the first half with Tasha Alexander finishing with 16 points, Marcus Zagorowski with 13, Mitch Ballack shot the lights out again from deep, going 5 of 7 from 3-point range, finishing with 15 points overall. But the big story, the big hero for the Blue Jays was Denzel Mahoney, who was nowhere on the scouting report. I'm looking at this game, and I'm like, who is this guy? Who is this Mahoney guy? This guy sounds like he has like one of those auto-generated names from video games. Denzel Mahoney going in off the bench, 21 points, 8 of 12 on the floor. But on the bright side, I guess you could say we shut down Christian Bishop, who torched it over last time, but he only had one point. So I guess, I guess that's nice, right? Right, Chris? Right? That's good?
1: That's good. Yeah, silver linings. Yeah, that, that whole thing. This, this game was incredibly, incredibly frustrating to watch. This is all around. Me and you kind of felt the same way, that it felt like they were going to make that comeback. But they just couldn't get that big shot to put them in position to win the game and get over that hump. It, they had the Jermaine Samuels wide open three that would have tied it. He bricked it. Then you had then they were down four uh, later in the, in the second half, maybe around like the eight-minute mark. Collin goes up for a three. He bricks it. But then he goes down the other end, gets a steal. Passes it off to Swider, who was absolutely atrocious during this game. And he bricked a three in which I felt like it was on a very rushed shot and I felt like he could have settled it and maybe worked for a better shot there. They never got that big shot to put them over the top and as a result, Creighton was just able to pull away eventually. I mean, Justin Moore kept them in it. He was hitting big shot after big shot, especially from deep. Colin kept them in it too, working inside. He had a, a few nice drives to the basket as well. I was very impressed with him. But And you know the defense overall I thought it was good I actually I I know you look at Creighton's stat line It's like how can you say that's a good defensive effort I thought they were in their face a lot I just felt like they were hitting everything And that's exactly what we were afraid of During our preview show We were afraid that Creighton was going to start hitting their shots, and they weren't going to replicate the shooting performance they did in Omaha against Villanova, and that's exactly what they did. Tyshawn Alexander had three threes in a row in the first half, two of which he was like wide open in the corner on a transition, and it was like, guys, is anyone going to go pick him up? Mitch Balak, or as the announcer was calling him, Ballock, and it was the most – that was probably made the Washington experience 30,000 times worse than what it was. But he was hitting everything. He had that one fadeaway three in the corner towards the end. to put Creighton back up nine. And that was like, I'm like, how the heck does he hit that shot? And then, yeah, like you mentioned, Denzel Mahoney, 8 of 12 from the field and he only hits one three and of course that's right when Villanova was trying to make their comeback it was maybe like a four three four point game and he just hacks up a three from the top of the key and or top of the arc and it goes he swishes it it was like two seconds left in the shot clock he like turned around he contorted his body it wasn't even a good shot and it went in and you're like all right at that point you're like okay this, I guess it's just not meant to be this game and that's what made it so frustrating because I felt like Villanova tried to do everything in their power to defensively to forced Creighton to be bad, and they were just hitting everything. And then on offense, it was very uninspired, very lackadaisical, with the exception of Collins, Little Stretch, and Justin Moore throughout the whole game. Sadiq, I know I mentioned Cole Swider was really bad, but Sadiq Bey was also pretty bad too. He, he got inside, and he got he forced some shots, uh, some bad shots, but he he was able to get to the basket, and he just wasn't converting. There were several times he was trying to left-hand layup, right-hand layup, and he was just bricking them. And that was just very concerning to see, especially after a big performance against Providence where we were like, oh, this is great. He's, he's going to be a first round pick. And now it's like, okay, well, which will we'll, we'll, the real Sadiq Bay please show up. Um, I know it's only one game and I'm overreacting, but it just very, looked very, very bad. And then JRE was scoreless from the field. He had six free throws, but offensively, he didn't do all that great. He grabbed 10 boards, which was nice. And he did do a good job on the glass, but offensively, he was non-existent in Jermaine Samuels had a couple of big three attempts and brick them all. So it was just very, very bad offensively. And then defensively, it wasn't bad. It was just they were hitting everything. It was definitely
0: tough. You know, it was one of those where, yeah, we've gotten used to slow starts. But to be in that early hole, playing catch-up against a team that we know has one of the better offenses in the Big East, they've had this reputation for a while under Greg McDermott, and also at the national level, you couldn't, Put yourself in a hole like that. Yes, I give Nova credit for battling back to within three. But from there, I know you thought that the defense was overall great. I didn't think it was too hot. I mean, you had Cole Swider getting shaked and baked.
1: That's a isolated.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Torched. Nova gave up that 12-2 run after they were able to cut it in and be so close. And then after that, let four different guys go off. Overall, Creighton shot over 50%, 53% in the second half. Can't make a comeback when you're letting a team shoot that well. And also, just going cold towards the end, man. It was so frustrating. In the last four and a Gosh. half minutes of a play, the only shot that was made by Nova was a Sadiq Bay layup with 33 seconds remaining. In the final four and a half minutes, that was it.
1: That was the yeah. only shot that
0: went in for Nova.
1: They had a spell like that early in the game, too, which was obviously, as you mentioned, with the slow start. But yeah, that, that endgame sequence was just awful, too. Uh, And I guess that's kind of why I said, like, the defense was good, because I kind of put that in the back of my mind, that whole last four minutes where Creighton pulled away. I wouldn't say they weren't trying, but I felt like that was a different brand of basketball those last few minutes where it was like, okay, Creighton's just going to break the press, and then they'll go and hit a few layups or dunk it a couple of times, and then Villanova will go down, hack up a three, and brick it. And so I didn't really kind of factor that into the analysis there. But, uh, yeah, it was still pretty bad. And then I also wasn't a big fan of Jay fouling when they were down 13, like 12, 13, 14, 15 at the end. Like, I understand you want to pay it, play it out, but time and place, like 15. And like Sadiq Bey was kind of limping at the end there. I don't think he was hurt. You can get it. I don't think he's hurt. But he, it looked like he was limping, but he said he was fine. And I'm just like, come on. Like, if you get one of these guys hurt now, like in such an inopportune time, like that would be absolutely atrocious when you're down 10 plus to just let the game play out and dribble it out. But I wasn't a big fan of that. But, gotta, show, uh,
0: gotta, gotta fight to the end, Chris you Gotta fight to the man,
1: end I, I, get, I, I get it, like you want to instill that mentality But maybe like 8 points Like like when it's over 10 I feel like there's just no chance Yeah, you just gotta yeah, wave
0: the white flag, flag and just accept just it
1: Take the L at that point And you were having the starters still in there too It wasn't Antoine out there uh, Fouling anyone I mean, he put him in eventually But it wasn't Slater out there It wasn't any of those guys, it was all the starters It was like, come on, take him out what are you doing? Just yeah, take the L. But it, it was just a uh, not a not a fun watch whatsoever. Also, Wells Fargo Center was an absolute morgue too. I should also mention that. I don't know if the student section was just tired or, <laughs> still, or whatever they were doing. Uh, that was uh, that was not good. I don't know. I don't know what the attendance was, or I couldn't really see on TV. I think they said it was around
0: fifteen, fifteen thousand. All
1: right. Eh. I mean, you still got like make a little bit more noise than that. I mean, they got into it during the run, the comeback, the sort of comeback. But
0: but I will say, though, it is February. We all know. It is. Nova <laughs> likes to have those questionable losses. And it wasn't a fun watch because, I mean, the slow start, and then you had hope. Then they lost it at the end. But last year, what was it? The 19-point collapse against St. John's. Before that, choking it up at the dunk. I don't know, Chris. Don't you know, know, it's, it is February, man, and overall, at the end of the day, Nova is still towards the top of the standings. And you know what did make me feel a lot better, though, was the fact what? that all home teams in the Big East on Saturday also lost. So I didn't feel like, you know, we weren't alone. We weren't alone. Since Seton Hall choked it up. They had a slow start and a half. They did. Butler lost to Providence, which I was completely shocked about. I did yeah. not expect that at all.
1: At very home, un- nonetheless. Very unexpected.
0: Yeah, I'd say John's losing, choking to Georgetown. It just felt like all the home teams didn't want to win.
1: They just well, the- the only home team to win over the weekend was Marquette, and guess who they played? But
0: that's our that's our boys.
1: <laughs> Leave it to the Paul to be the one-way team. To <laughs>
0: they they could yeah, um, they can't even they can't even win on the road, right? <laughs> Morons, all of them, all of them.
1: They were a big. No, I don't know if they were a big, but they were winning the majority of that game too. Uh, so that that made it even more sad and hilarious. But what's to your point though? Seton Hall losing made this game even more frustrating, in my opinion, because you would have liked to have at least tied it up, especially with Butler coming up this week and Seton Hall coming up in, on the weekend. We'll talk about the Butler game, but like to have that game tied or have the standings tied at that point would have been very encouraging for the Big East title race.
0: Um, oh, we're just going to tie it at, we're just gonna have to tie it at the Rock. We're just going to have to tie it at the Rock.
1: Let's go. <laughs> uh, Let's yeah, go. That, that's, uh, that's what usually happens, right? You can't even go there and
0: my parents contacted me and they were like, oh, you know, we've never been to the Prudential Center. We should go there for the Seton Hall-Villanova game. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. Look, if you come if you come out with a win, that's fine. But Blues, worst place in the world. Worst place in the world <laughs> to be a Villanova fan.
1: It, it really is. I've uh, frequented a couple games there uh, after a loss. And uh, it's not pretty. Not pretty at all. And, and it's funny, too, because, like, beginning of the year when the schedule came out, that game was toward the end of the year. It's the second last game of the year, I believe, or biggest game of the year. I was like, oh well, you know, it's a March regular season game. Well, it's not gonna matter all that much whatever. Like even if they lose, those, like the regular season title will be wrapped up anyway. Well now it's looking like it's it's gonna matter a whole lot. But we still got Wilder. We, we would have liked to have taken advantage of that opportunity on Saturday. It kind of feels like a missed opportunity, which is why I'm a little aggravated at the whole thing.
0: It is a missed opportunity, but you know, I think this is more like a speed bump, Chris. We're still seventeen and four. We're seven and two in Big East play. We're still good. We're still fine. It's one of those dumb February
1: losses. I think we're still good. I know. I know you got to lose games eventually. It's like you can't win, it, win them all. Even the seventeen eighteen team couldn't win them all. But was this a beatable
0: uh, opponent? Yes, it was. Yes. It was a pretty beatable opponent. Did our performance indicate that? No, our performance did mm-hmm. not indicate that.
1: No, it did not. It was so bad. I think Creighton actually leapsfrog Villanova and Kempton now. So so props to Creighton though. They they've uh, they've been hanging around the back ends of the polls receiving votes all that fun stuff and uh they've they've taken advantage of it
0: you know i look at it as a charitable loss Nova's had a few of those in the past because now <laughs> Craig's in the top 25 they're coming in right they're back in it number 21 polanova yeah. now at number 10 seton hall dropped to 12 and then you got butlers now at 19 so now we got four ranked biggies teams in the top 25
1: yep and marquette's uh, bringing up the rear at with 31 votes, uh, so I guess they're 27th. I guess if the polls were to expand, so Marquette's hanging around too. No more. No.
0: Rutgers. Yeah. No more Rutgers. No more Rutgers. Rest in peace. It was fun while it was a fun two weeks while it lasted.
1: <laughs> it really was a fun two weeks.
0: And now Nova's gonna have to regroup. And while this was a dumb February loss, I just hope that this means that now they're gonna come out guns blazing this week because they got a tough slate. They got at Hinkle, which never, never is easy. Tomorrow night, and then seen Hall this weekend. They're at home, which is why I feel good. But it's Seton Hall, and you know, you know what that means. You know what that means.
1: It means a 40-point beatdown in Philadelphia. That's what it means.
0: It means Miles Powell makes the first and one, yells, this is my city, and then Seton Hall <laughs> proceeds to lose by 25.
1: Uh, I'm all for that. I, I would love every bit of that. Speaking of which, how, how the heck did Seton Hall was getting absolutely pistol-whipped in the first half against Xavier over the weekend? But then, like, I looked at the box score and I was like, where the heck was Miles Powell? Did Xavier just lock him down? I didn't really watch much. I watched, like, a little bit at the end. But he was non existent. That has me scared for the Saturday now. Because I feel like he's just going to unleash everything that he missed out on.
0: Yeah, only nine points in 35 minutes of action.
1: Not too good. Not too good. No. But what? if uh, Xavier has the defensive plan, you might as well replicate it.
0: Yeah, but everyone's always due for an off night, whether it be Miles Powell, Villanova basketball. But. It's onwards and forwards to Butler tomorrow night at Hinkle Fieldhouse, which uh, I hope everyone has their rosaries ready to go. We're going to (laughs) need everything to break that Hinkle magic. Even when Butler's good, even when they're not good, that place is just a hellhole to play in for visiting teams. Although I will say, last year, I was surprised that Nova was able to destroy them. We had a great shooting performance, though, by Eric Pascal. Remember, I think we beat them by, like, 15 or 16. It was, like, the big game that we were so worried about. Mm. And then it obviously ended up not being that big of a problem. At least they made it look easy. This year, we're going to hope for something similar. Butler, they're coming in 17-5. and 5-4 five, five and four overall in the Big East. They bounced back from that loss to Nova with back-to-back wins against Marquette and Georgetown with the Golden Eagles game going into overtime. But they recently lost to Providence, which, as we mentioned before, was kind of a shocker at home nonetheless. This Butler team, Chris, I don't, I don't know how I feel about them. You know, in the beginning, when I saw them in non-con play, I was like... Oh, wow. They're okay. They're good. I'll give it to them. They're good. They're good. And then once Big East play rolled around, now they're just over 500. Nova smacked them around at home by 15, which I thought was one of their better performances of the year. And now we're going to have to go ahead and hope we can do that on the road, which is obviously never easy. Chris, what can we expect from these Butler Bulldogs?
1: We can expect a lot of Kamara Baldwin, that's for sure. Even after the Villanova game, he dropped, I think it was the game after. Yeah, it was against Marquette. Even though it was an overtime game, he spearheaded a comeback victory and was able to drop 31. So I'm assuming Baldwin, in his own house, is going to go off. As we mentioned against uh, in the recap against Butler, he didn't really do all that much. Yes, he put up 20-plus points, but it, it felt like a lot of those were empty points, and it didn't really matter all that much. The game was kind of decided by then. So I expect him to go off. I also expect Sean McDermott to not go over for from for, for the field. I expect him to actually hit some shots. He just dropped 25 at Georgetown uh, this past Tuesday. So if those two guys get going, it's going to be very, very scary, especially in that house, as we keep mentioning. It's such a neutralizer in terms of talent. Like, yeah, you know, Butler's 19, Villanova's 10, and Villanova just beat them by 15. But, like, going to that place is just such a daunting task, and it's it's so scary. It just completely throws any talent advantage out the window, I feel like. Or not completely out the window, but it does neutralize it for sure. But I will say this. Puyler's played four Big East home games this year. Creighton, Seton Hall, Marquette, Providence. They're 2-2, two and two, which is very weird to think about. You would think they would just go undefeated or if maybe they would drop one or two games at the absolute most. But early returns are not the greatest. They beat Creighton 71-57, which was good, and that was on their little hot streak. Then when they were bumped up to fifth, they lost to Seton Hall at home, which was pretty stunning, even though Seton is a very good team and might win the Big East outright they went into Butler and beat them like pretty convincingly too. That was, uh, that was not something I would expect. Then they struggled against Marquette who they've been either, either good, really good or really bad. And it must've got Marquette on a really good night and they forced them to overtime. Um, and it even took some Hinkle magic for them to even get that game to overtime. And then, as we mentioned, Providence this past weekend, they lost like in Providence is not all that great. So, which Butler team will we get? I don't know. But even the early returns at home aren't even that promising in the Big East play. So this might be the game where Butler kind of turns it all around. and They're like, all right, we're going to take off and prove that we were a top five team like we were ranked previously. But it's going to be tough for <laughs> Nova to go in there. As
0: we've seen before and as we've gotten to know, Kamar Baldwin is definitely the man to watch for. Even when they lose or even when they're doing well, this guy has just been a complete catalyst for the Bulldogs. They go where he goes. And... This team isn't really built for comebacks, but we saw him heat up very well in the second half against Inova. Even though it didn't feel like it, the man still finished with over 20 points and a very efficient second half shooting performance. I'm glad you mentioned Sean McDermott because I'm not expecting a shooter of his caliber to go 0 for 7 again. Just like how we didn't expect Tyshawn Alexander and Marcus Zagorowski to do virtually nothing a second time around. I think he's going to be draining some shots. Now, how does that change the complexity of the game? I think it helps Butler a lot. I mean, he's going to be back in his home environment, and I'm sure he's going to be determined to shoot a lot better than 0 for 7 because he was completely out of his element. And then that just kind of put all the work on Kamar Baldwin's shoulders, and because of that, Butler fell behind, and it just wasn't looking too good for them. Bulldogs play tough defense. I'm curious to see if Nova can crack it a second time around. They're an excellent three-point defensive team, as we saw at home even though Sadiq Bey was able to go off against them from long range. They're great at defending the three-point line, so this might be one where we're going to have to grind it out inside. I'm definitely nervous. I think this will be extremely closer than 15 points. You already know that the Butler faithful is going to be up for this one. I'm going to go ahead and say Nova by two. A very, very scary, get-your-heart-medicine-ready two points. Wow.
1: Um. I hope you're right. And I just don't have the balls to go through with a Nova victory here. I think Villanova gets off to a slow start. Last game's performance kind of carries into this one, unfortunately. And they're just not able to recover. I think maybe they claw into it back a little bit. I think they lose by six.
0: Yeah, I remember at the beginning of the year, I said Nova was going to lose. I don't know. I just feel comfortable. Nova doesn't really lose back-to-back games all that often. So that's why I'm I'm feeling pretty good, man. I'm feeling good.
1: Yeah, this is the type of game that teams of the past would go into and throttle their opponent, uh, especially after a loss. Like you said, the back-to-back thing was never really a thing until last year. Um, now, it's this team's time to step up, and will they kind of mimic last year's team, or will they mimic you know, the teams that were making deep tournament runs? I think they just played so poorly on Saturday, it's scaring me off. If they'd gone out there and crush Great, and I'm saying Nova by a million for uh, Wednesday's game. But new, a new year, new
0: decade. New year, new decade. <laughs> this is a last year's team. You already know Jay Wright made them run suicides or lines. Sorry, lines the until lines. until they dropped. Until you, they man. dropped. They, they did shooting drills, rebounding drills. They simulated slow starts in practice. All right, we're going to go in. You're going to go up against Kevin Hoenn. Kevin Hoenn, your team will be up by 40 in this simulation. All right, come back from the slow start. Come back from the slow start. Let's go.
1: Let's go. Well, I hope whatever they did, it worked. I want to see them go in there and beat a, a very good team in Butler, who is ranked, I believe, 15th in Kempom right now, and Villanova's 23rd. So it's, it's very – the odds are significantly against – not significantly, but the odds are against them. I will say this, though. Sadiq Bay, we're going to need one of those first-round pick prospect performances if they're going to win this game. They're going to need him to go off big time. No more of this, well, I'll hit all my threes, but I won't hit anything from inside thing. We need everything. 20-plus <laughs> point performance, just like against Providence. We're going to need big-time big time effort from him.
0: Hey, if he can go five for seven again against a great three-point defense like this, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. We're, but we are going to need him to step up because he really – he was a little quiet against
1: Creighton. A little quiet. A little, a little, yeah. That's, a, that's an understatement right there. He had plenty of opportunities and just wasn't able to convert. I understand everyone has an off day. I get it.
0: But I'm going to uh, player to watch for, Colin Gillespie, once again. Tough road environment. We're going to need someone to run the floor well, and the man's been playing well as of late. So I'm going to go with him. I'm going to roll with him. I will say, Chris, Ken Palm is siding with you in that he projects Butler as a four-point favorite and gives them a 65% chance to win, 65%.
1: That's right in line with ESPN's BPI thing. I don't know. People take all that much stake into it, but it's right around the same thing. I think they give Villanova a 33% chance of winning, so it's right there.
0: Speaking of ESPN, did you see Dana O'Neill? Famed, Hall of Fame Villanova sports writer Dana O'Neill, big supporter of the Cats. Did you see that she took a little dig at ESPN this past weekend?
1: No, she did. Oh, yeah, that's she great. did. What, yeah, she what did. She, what she do, What she do?
0: Adds to the credibility. Someone was complaining about a story that was written and how it didn't really give credit to the original source. And then Dana O'Neal took this tweet, quoted it, and said, oh, this is something that they did all the time at this company I used to work for that rhymes with DSPN.
1: <laughs> right wow. there,
0: public Twitter. This is what happens when you join The Athletic. You're
1: allowed to say whatever you want. See, that's great. You know, it doesn't make up for her Jalen Brunson omission, but that's, that's good. That's a step in the right direction for her path to red- on redemption. For sure
0: and then one last tidbit you know I was definitely more angry about the Creighton loss but as the days went on and it's kind of like you look at Nova's record it's like oh yeah we're still good we're fine we're, we're okay we're doing well I mean hopefully it's just an off day but all 10 Big East teams are currently in the top 80 of the net rankings so you know it makes you feel pretty good at least it's tough competition
1: yeah it- it does. It's almost as if like, Big East is uh, a real conference. And what a shock.
0: Oh, man, you should see those Big Ten people. I think the NCAA tweeted out last week or a couple weeks ago how the Big East had the highest win percentage in non-con play. And then everyone was sitting there thinking, like, oh, but who'd they play? And then, of course, DePaul beat Iowa. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know.
1: <laughs>
0: and then and the Big Ten fans got so salty. They got so salty.
1: They're a very salty bunch over there. They, they, any dig at, I mean, guess, I guess Big East fans are too, but like any dig at that, that Big 10, I feel like they just all rally around together and, like, no, how dare you? We're a basketball conference. We're not a football conference. How dare you say that? Yeah. But I
0: see, but when Big East fans get upset, I, I side with them. And not only because, you know, we're Big East, we're a Big East school, but we just don't get as much love on the mainstream, dude. Still not yet. Like, even when I talk to people, even when I talk to like some sports reporters, they always talk about like, the old Big East, the old Big East, and I get it. You know, nostalgia, this and that. And there were some great teams, some great memories, some great players. But mm-hmm. what's going on right now? It's still pretty good. It's still very good. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's time to acknowledge it and write stories about that. And everyone needs to, yeah, needs to take off the nostalgia blinders and realize that what the current product is much better than the product at the end of the Big East. I would say. Yeah. Um, exactly. Um, it's good. I don't know, actually, I don't know if it's much better, but it's, it's good.
0: <laughs> it's, yeah, it's definitely a lot better than people give it credit for.
1: That's, that's for sure, yes.
0: Well, it's that time of the day where we stop what we're doing, pop open the mailbag. It's been a while since we've done this, but in case you forgot, you can ask us anything, tweet us anytime you want, at SONNpod, ask us a question, and we'll talk about it on the show. Chris, we haven't done this in a while, so are you ready? Let's do it. All right, so we got one question here. First one is from Matt Belson. He wants to know, does not playing Brian Antoine or giving him sufficient minutes, is that a turnoff for other future potential five-star guys? Chris, do you think that this is a turnoff? He, he, really, he alluded to Brian Antoine, but he also used the JQ example in this question. I uh, want to know what you think.
1: I mean, if there was a more relevant time, I guess, to address it, I guess it would have been last year. Uh, I feel like the JQ situation was more more. Of egregious than it is now with Antoine, mainly because of the the injury. And I think the reason for his playing time is guised under that. But I I don't know if it does. I mean, Jalen Brunson came right in and played immediately and was really good. Amari Spellman, despite his NCAA troubles when he was eligible to play, he came right in and played right away as a five-star guy and played pretty good. So I, I doubt it. But then again, I'm not the one sitting on the bench wanting to go to the NBA immediately. So I, I can't really get inside their heads. But personally, no, I don't think it does.
0: I think it does and it doesn't. Like you said, I was when I saw this question, I was immediately thinking Jalen Brunson. I was immediately thinking Marsh Spellman. Immediately thinking Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who is also on the team and was also a McDonald's All-American, five-star guy, top 25, this and that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. As you can see, he's getting minutes. And he's playing very well so far this season, to the point where he's played himself into potential first round or second round. I don't it depends on what mock draft you look at, honestly. Some view him as like late first, some view him as like a second round guy. So he's at the point now where we're talking draft. In Brian Antoine's case and Javon Quinterly's case, while perception is reality, and I'm pretty sure a lot of blue bloods or whatever opposing coaches. When they recruit down in Nova, they're going to say, like, oh, you're going to have to wait or, oh, the NBA thing is going to – it's not going to be something you can attain right away. It's not really a one-and-done school. I feel like at the end of the day, the educated recruits and the recruits that know better, they're not going to be turned off by that. They're not going to be turned off by the Big East or the quote-unquote new Big East. And, you know, while there are those narratives that are definitely played up, like, oh, Villanova doesn't get five-star guys or they don't play five-star guys right away and you even saw that with Javon Quinterly like all these people online they were talking not recruits per se but haters skeptics online they were saying oh they're not going to play Javon Quinterly but it's like uh did you guys forget Jalen Brunson I mean he won two national titles five-star guy started right away he's in the NBA now did you guys forget about him Omar Spellman like he technically only played one season and then left I think at the end of the day the recruits that are smart they can see through it They can see through the fog and they can see through all the whatever narratives people want to paint about the program. Jay's obviously, he's confident in his way. He knows his way works. He's obviously won titles. He's had a lot of wins. So I think he's obviously firm in his system and how he looks and how he looks for the right fits for his program. I'm sure some recruits, it'll probably turn them away. But I think at the end of the day, the ones that are smart, the ones that know well, they're not going to run away from it. And I've seen it with myself firsthand. I'm not going to name recruits personally, but one question that I like to ask guys, especially the people who who have Biggie's recruit uh biggie schools at the top of their list, I asked them, I was like, Oh, does them not really being a power five conference does that turn you off? And some recruits I can tell they're educated. They know what they're talking about. They're gonna pull out the stats like for example, uh in this one year, this was a year where the Biggie sent like seven teams and there and this recruit said to me, No, not at all. I think that they had the highest percentage of teams in, out of every single conference in D1, I think that's a little overplayed. And I'm like, all right, this recruit definitely did his homework. And then you have some recruits that you can tell they don't they don't really know too much. They didn't really do their homework. So it's like, all right, I can see this guy falling for, like, a, a different conference or falling for a different school. So haters are going to hate. But at the end of the day, I think, Chris, I think we're good. The Villanova way
1: works. I, I would think so. But to what you're saying, though, I, I wonder if, I mean, obviously, I've never been a part of it, but I wonder if whatever like recruiters are pitching to people, or, or recruiting, or whatever recruiters are pitching to potential recruits, whether it be a five-star, four-star, three-star, whoever, I wonder if whatever they're pitching matches up with the national media narrative. Like I, I like like you said, like the national media narrative is gonna like you know, drive home the point you know big. Uh, Big East isn't you know power five blah 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 you know Villanova does this this and that you shouldn't go there if you're a five-star guy and want to go to the NBA immediately you would have to think that like guys wouldn't be paying attention to that and would instead be listening to the recruiters I I don't know
0: yeah at the end of the day really it all comes down to really who really does their homework and who doesn't you know
1: yeah that's what I that's what I would think and you don't know if you really want to be listening to whoever making driving whatever narrative home but yeah that's what it is
0: and it's tough, too, because some of them, they, they don't really do their homework. And I'm sure they've had a ton of people blowing smoke up up theirs, and it happens all the time. Just from my observations, some recruits, they definitely do their homework better than others in terms of being educated on you know the Big East or, quote-unquote, New Big East. So, yeah, I would like to think. you know In an ideal world, they wouldn't be easily swayed without checking on things. But when you're 16, 17, 18 – you see what the NBA guys are doing, and it's like bright lights, yeah. big picture, mo- bags of money, <laughs> literally bags of money sometimes, yeah. and you can't turn it down, you know? You're, you're
1: blinded by it. I get that. I get that. And and let's be honest, it it all comes down to whatever school pays them more anyway, so it doesn't matter. And we
0: all know Chris means scholarship lies.
1: Oh, right. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: And then there are some that like to dip into the booster fund. <laughs> that, that's, that's what I meant. <laughs> and the last question we have is from my boy, Kyle Maggio. He's a social media director for another sports site. Right before Super Bowl weekend, he had this really popping question that really took off on Twitter. He, and we were talking about it, him and I, but I want to know what you think, Chris. All right, Super Bowl party. You got four dishes. Which one has to go? We got buffalo wings, mozzarella sticks, pigs in a blanket, or nachos. Of those four, which one has to go?
1: Um, this might go against my Italian roots, but mozzarella sticks. Oh, wow. Wow, really? Those other three are staples. I've never had mozzarella sticks at a Super Bowl party before, ever. It just doesn't, I feel like it doesn't fit.
0: I told Kyle, usually when you see these one has to go things on social media, usually there's always that one obvious answer, like fairly obvious answer. I told him all four are pretty good. I, I enjoy all four a lot, but I'm surprised with mozzarella sticks. That was like, for me, when I saw that, I was like, oh no, that's, that's definitely staying.
1: Oh no, it definitely kicked that out. Now, granted, on Sunday, we did have some mozzarella, regular mozzarella, out in, in a nice little platter. <laughs> but in stick form, no, the guy go.
0: Oh man, I love
1: mozzarella sticks.
0: I could eat like fifteen of them in one sitting. Oh.
1: So I, I take it they're staying in your. Universe. Oh,
0: they were definitely they were definitely staying. I thought they would stay in yours too. I, I, I'm glad we did this. I'm glad we did this. I, I learned.
1: Who, who are you kicking out then?
0: Oh man, this is hard. This so you know me when I eat wings, I I prefer the boneless kind.
1: Don't you dare!
0: But stop. But I like, but I had wings at at. <laughs> <laughs> and I had these fire wings on Sunday. So I was like, oh, I can't get rid of that. I love pigs on a blanket. I mean, pigs in a blanket. I know uh, some people – I was surprised how many people didn't know what that was. Like when I was looking at the replies to his Twitter thread, I was like, how do people not know what that is? Um, and nachos, nachos, excellent, excellent food. Sucks when they go cold, but excellent food. Mm-hmm. I was thinking I, – I think the pigs in a blanket got to go.
1: Oh, that's, see, that's just incorrect. See, the, I I think the fact that I didn't usually have them as a child—they
0: they are it, like a yeah—they're they're really good. Like when they're around, definitely enjoy them. But right. I don't know if I—I I think I like the other three more.
1: I, I guess if we had to get rid of another one, if we're doing a uh, you know survivor pool, I guess they would be next to go. But yeah, that's—I don't know how you get rid of them. I think the novelty of them is just. You can't, you can just, you got to keep them. They're too good. Why? Why are you getting rid of them? Because I, I think I like the other three more. <sighs> no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> fried cheese. Yo, come can't. on. Mozzarella sticks are so good. Nachos. You already have nachos, though. That's like, different. You already have a fried cheese variant. That's different. But it's this, it, you get your, 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 Diversifying your portfolio, Eugene. Yeah, we're talking about the, we're talking about real nachos. We're
0: talking about it's got it's got the works. Nachos with the works.
1: Well, I understand that, but you still have, that means you would have cheese on it. So why do you need another form of cheese that's fried?
0: Why Why have a regular beer and an IPA? Why not enjoy both?
1: Um, I mean, you could you you could could, but wouldn't you want to? keep, You could, but yeah, all right, fine, fair, but still, I you're wrong. So. I'm not gonna. I'd like to know what people (laughs)
0: think. I'd like to know what people think. I kind of like the other three more, man. Personally speaking,
1: why don't you put that up on the uh, Twitter account? Why don't you get one going? Just do one of the four options.
0: Yeah, yeah, we we should try to use that thing more. I've had requests, and it's just like, uh, why can't you guys just look at my (laughs) my regular Twitter? Why can't you just look at that? (laughs) Sometimes I forget to even promote our stuff like on there. Oh man, five or like six at night. I was said afternoon. And it's like, oh, I forgot to retweet it. Oh, well, let's do it now.
1: <laughs> well, fire the old Twitter machine up and put those four options there, and we'll, we'll see. Is
0: this late to talk about? I feel like it isn't. I mean, it, it just happened.
1: No, no, not at all. Yeah. No. I feel like this is a very valid debate no matter what time of year. You know, it doesn't have to be Super Bowl party. It could be any party. Party foods. Party foods. Yes, correct.
0: I'll tell you right now, Brazen Fox, when they got the, the four appetizer sampler during happy hour, oh, all four, all four, all four, half price.
1: Are, are we talking Brazen Fox, Westchester, or Brazen Fox, New York City?
0: Oh, they they both got the deals. They both got the
1: deals. Oh, okay, okay. Right.
0: One, New York City is nice. It's where they have the the official Villanova game watches. At least for the younger crowd. I didn't know this until recently, but I didn't realize that there were like three main Villanova game watch places and they all cater to like different generations, which is kind of nice. I've been to proper West. That's cool. That's cool too. I feel like that's kind of like been the OG game watch spot, but Brazen Fox, pretty solid, pretty solid. Chris, you ever ever been to the the New York city game watches yet? No, I haven't. I have not. Oh, highly recommend. We should, we should, we should go next time, get a crew together, uh, enjoy some cheap, Deals while enjoying a Villanova game. Although I will say both times I've went, they lost. So well, Actually, that's not true. The last time I went, they beat Seton Hall by 40, so that was nice. So well, I'm then, actually 1-2. Let's,
1: let's go this Saturday. Continue the tradition going.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Live show after. It'd be a great time. Oh, it, yeah. That's if that's people want to listen to. So, I don't know about that. We'll see. We'll see. But first, we (laughs) need to know what people think about this for the four Super Bowl party dishes. Which one has to go? That's what I'm more interested in right now.
1: Me too, honestly.
0: Yep. Let us know. Tweet at us. Which one has to go? Thank you for listening to State of the Nova Nation. Follow the podcast. Look for View Hoops or State of the Nova Nation on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Megaphone. I'm pretty sure there are a couple more platforms I keep forgetting. Shout out to SB Nation for handling all that. Please be sure to check back on the site. Check back, check often. Follow V Hoops on social media. You can do so at V Hoops. And that's good for Twitter and Instagram. Like our page on Facebook. And you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at ERPay5.
1: And I'm Chris Stanzial. I got nothing. Follow the pod, follow Eugene, follow V Hoops.
0: Nova Nation, have a good Tuesday. Let's beat some dogs tomorrow night. And hopefully. Break that hinkle magic. Have a good day.